This is the Plan Simple Podcast. The one for you, my dear, the woman who wears so many hats. We both know how many people in your life benefit when you're at your best. What would happen if you were to ditch overwhelm and wear all those hats with ease? I'm going to share how simple this can be. We will dive into how to make health, family, home, spirituality, productivity, and entrepreneurship more easeful. Incredible friends and guests will come by for inspirational conversations, valuable shares, and real strategies so you can plan for your best life. My name is Mia Moran. I'm a mother of three, a wife, an entrepreneur, a coach, and your host. I wear a lot of hats, and I am committed to leading a balanced life and sharing all that I have learned and am learning with you. You're ready? Let's flow. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you today and for both of us to get to be with our amazing guest, Jill Avey. So she asked the most amazing questions on this episode of us, really. At one point, she talked about how we dilute ourselves and was talking about how we spread ourselves so thin and we feel like we aren't doing enough because we aren't being enough. Don't you love that? Oh, I love that visual. So we're going to talk today about saying no, about second acts, about stepping up to the next level. I'm so excited for you to meet Jill. I'm going to tell you more officially about her in a second. Two things I just want to share is that we have been together in a mastermind for a little over a year. So I feel like I know Jill well, and it's so fun to be with her here in this space talking in this way. And the other thing I want to tell you about her fun fact is that she has this Oracle card deck and she sent it to me and it's just beautiful. And I don't know that we can get it yet, though if we can, I will put the link in the show notes and I will shout out from the rooftops of Instagram and your email because I'm now saying that I don't know it on the podcast. At some point, if you're listening to this later than this goes live, you'll definitely be able to get it. It's beautiful and amazing. But she sent it to me and I thought it would be fun to pull some of the cards over on Instagram. So head on over to Instagram as you're listening to this and look for Jill's episode and and near there, you should find the Oracle cards that I pulled and that you can read and hopefully will serve as some guidance to you today. The cards, each of her card asks amazing questions. They're provocative questions that get us thinking and asking questions of ourselves. They're actually great journaling prompts. So if that feels resonant to you, head on over and check the four that I pulled out. I always trust as well. Like it's not like I went through the deck and for the most appropriate ones, I literally closed my eyes to pick them. And I'm so excited by what came up. All right. So those are two fun Jill facts and I'm going to get to her official self in a minute. But before I do that, I have a couple of announcements. So number one, we did the summer planning workshop and it was amazing and it was really great it's always great to see how, like what the transformations are that happen when we plan, because planning sounds like such a mundane thing, but we don't do it in the mundane way around here. 
So it really is a deep practice and it's really helpful in getting aligned about the next season. And summer has some particular, like, I don't want to say issues, but it can be hard. It's like a lot more work for a lot of women because we're managing more. And a lot of people I've noticed who do have kids who aren't young, they have them at home this summer. There's less camp stuff going on in our community. Not that there's less camp stuff in the world, but it seems that a lot of people are choosing not to do that this summer. And it just creates a different set of work. And it's really helpful to have a plan. So we actually recorded a shorter version of the workshop and we've put that up. The workshop itself was three hours. So we recorded a shorter version where I asked the questions and then you can press pause and hold the time that you want to answer the questions and then press play again. But you can go get the planning sheets, you can get all the parts and it's going to be up through the end of May. So if you want to go grab that, you can go do that through the link in the show notes. You can watch it right now if you want, or after you listen to my conversation with Jill. If you're interested in planning your summer and you're driving right now or walking and it's not something you're going to do right now, something you might consider is just putting time in your calendar at some point in the next few days, this weekend, this week, like When do you have an hour here, an hour there, or is there a two-hour period where you want to sit down and just really get straight about what's happening? And by the way, the way we plan is not about putting together the puzzle pieces of summer in outside kind of way. It's about going inward and really figuring out what you want. So even if you feel like all the trips are already in there and the camps are in there and all the things and the work projects and everything's in your calendar and you know what's happening when, this workshop is much about how do you want to feel about those things? How do you want to show up to them? How can you make them even better by planning for them in a different way? So whether you have everything down or nothing down, I think this could help you either way. So I will leave it at that. So that's available to you. And then coming up next, we have a workshop where we're going to plan a project. So you could come plan your website project, your book project, your social media for the next month or for the summer. If we're talking entrepreneurship, you could come plan for talking home. You could come plan a decluttering project or a building or renovation project. You could come plan a project around a hobby that you want to create. Like anything that's not a task that you can put into time, like in a day, should be a project. And so we're going to really teach you how to think through that. So whether a big thing comes to mind or not, you would still get a lot out of this workshop because we'll help you think of what you want to do. And then you'll have this way of thinking to apply to all the projects in your head or the next one that comes up or whatever is coming up in your world. So that's coming up and you can sign up for that through the links in the show notes and also on Instagram or on the plansimple.com website. And then the last thing is, and you can't sign up for this quite yet, but at the end of June, we are going to have a planning session for planning for your health. But before we hold that session in the week leading up to it, we will also have on some amazing humans who are going to share different ways that we can look at our health. And so that will help facilitate what we actually plan for. So those things are coming up. I'm so excited about them and I hope that you will 
join me for them. Now, everything that we put out that, you know, I try to give as much as I can. This podcast is giving content. And then I try to have these planning workshops so that we can plan together and really get clear about what's going on. I could record a whole bunch of podcasts around planning, but I personally love the interaction of Zoom. I love being able to answer questions and do coaching and get feedback. I just think it's a more helpful part of the process. And often when other people bring up what they're struggling with, it normalizes it for others. And it also helps other people realize what they're struggling with that they might not even know, or same with wins, right? It goes the same way. So it's just always helpful, I think, to be in community. So I try to open that up as often as I can, which apparently is a lot during my birthday month. (laughs) I don't normally do it quite this much. But once a month, I will say we definitely try to have a workshop where we plan for something. So go check it out, go sign up. Now, if you are really craving more accountability, like not just the plan, not just the vision, but really want to follow through for yourself on the things that you've been like bubbling up as wants in your life, whether that's around your health or growing a business or mothering in a different way or tending to your body in a different way. These are all things that we talk about in Flow 365. And I would just invite you to come have a conversation. There just becomes this point when it's like, we just can't go it alone anymore. I mean, I wish I could invite everyone in the world (laughs) to come into Flow because it's so amazing what happens when we're in community doing this together. And, you know, we're planning and then we're showing up and we're sort of declaring is a weird word. We're really stepping in every Monday to what we're doing. We say it out loud. We get feedback. We ask questions. We witness other women. And then we have all these different ways where we're supported as we're following through on what we say we want to do. And it just makes a difference. It makes a difference because it's never a case that weeks and months and days can go by and we haven't taken steps toward those things that we we are craving most. And I don't know, it's just there's nothing like a really supportive group of women. And we work really hard at creating that around here. So if that's of interest to you, you can do a number of things. You can go get on the wait list by going to plansimple.com. I think that's where I'm going to send you. Go get on the wait list. On the page of Flow365, you can also, you'll see there's a yellow bar. You can also hop on a call with us and we will talk through what happens on a 20-minute call with us as you, we listen to what's happening. You'll answer a form before you get on the call. So we'll know a little bit about what's happening. And then we choose one area where you know, you could use just your next doable change that's very specific to you. And we'll come up with that together. And then we'll answer any questions about Flow 365. If this is something that like, if you're done, if you're done with the way it's been, and you feel like, you know, if three months from now, you're exactly where you are now, you'd be frustrated. Or if a year from now, you're just where you are now, you'd be frustrated. Or if you're frustrated already, because you you feel like you're either where you were or a few steps backwards from a couple of years ago. So these are all reasons to step into a community that's all about planning and accountability and follow through in like the most supportive feminine way ever. All right. That's what I got to say about that. And if you're 
woman in corporate who wants to be a director or a VP, then you want to go check out the work of our amazing guests today because that's who she serves. We serve a little bit of a different audience, either anyone who's an entrepreneur, mother, and trying to balance health at the same time. I feel like that's our real sweet spot. We definitely have people who are not mothers and we definitely have people who aren't entrepreneurs, but there's this aspect of like wanting change, wanting upgrade. And we don't coach that much on the work part of corporate. It's just not in my expertise. So we do coach extra for all our entrepreneurs on them building their business. We just don't have that in the corporate world. So go check out Jill's. And I say that because she's all about sisterhood too. That's actually the name of her business. So let me tell you more officially about Jill. Jill helps women leaders get promoted to the director and VP levels. She does this by supporting her clients to develop their strengths, increase their influence and navigate gender bias. She believes that everyone, and you'll see, hear this in her voice, has talents they haven't yet fully realized. And she's inspired to help her clients find deep fulfillment in their careers, both personally and financially. Her approach is grounded in research, applied behavioral science, and her own personal experience as an executive. So with no further ado, let's get the amazing Jill on the show. Hey, Jill, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be on the podcast with you. It's funny because Jill and I know each other from a mastermind and I feel like we've spent a lot of time in deep, like, I don't know, we tend to go deep fast in that group. So (laughs) I'm excited that everybody here gets to glean from your wisdom. So will you start by telling us just a little bit about your journey into entrepreneurship or your career journey or whatever you part you feel is really relevant to what we're talking about today around your journey? Yeah, sure. I spent 25 years in the corporate world. I was in marketing and worked my way up to the VP level and decided once I got there that that, I was the number three person in the company and I didn't really want to run the company. And I never saw myself as CEO, which is kind of funny because I then, you know, quit and became a CEO. (laughs) I became a CEO. Yes. (laughs) And I keep stretching myself further about, you know, how big of a business I want to run. So, you know, it's funny you know, have these limiting ideas about what you should and shouldn't do. But in the, I was in footwear and in that business, I definitely didn't want to run the company. So I decided I wanted to do something else as a second act in my second career for myself, something that I could do until retirement and corporate marketing wasn't it. So I thought about, you know, what do I want to give to the world? And I'd always really enjoyed leadership. So that's where I netted out. And I really get, I'm super passionate about helping people do better and feel better at work. So I really work on the emotional side of work and how we can be our whole selves at work and be our healthy selves at work. So I love that. I love love it. And and when you're actually with your clients, you have like a very specific group of people you're working with, right? So it's, will you tell me what that is? I do. I say it out loud. I work with women that are at the director and VP levels um, to help them get promoted to the next level up. Awesome. I love that. I just feel like that's like, we all know somebody like that. So I love that you're so specific. So I didn't even know we were going to talk about this, but can we talk about that second act piece? Like you don't have to exactly share your age, but I think this is a big deal because I think that I've been thinking about this actually a lot lately because I've noticed 
in our world that there's a lot of women who are sort of coming into whether they're in their career that they're going to stay with or they're an entrepreneur and they're trying to level up or they're deciding to become an entrepreneur or they're heading out of like having identified as a stay-at-home mom sometimes for many years but basically they're in their well into their 40s usually and the world has kind of told us that we're done and yet I feel like for women, that age somehow represents like this, also this like wanting to really step into our purpose in a different way. So I think that's so cool that you really were able to see that something else was available. Do you have any like bits of wisdom for anyone who's in that phase of like, what's next? And like, I just want to honor that you even gave yourself permission to think that way. I just think that's so cool. Well, you're going to relate to this because you have a grandmother that lived to a yeah, very to a, age. Yes, 105. And, yes, yes. Yeah. And, you know, so my mom is 82 and she is just so vibrant and she walks three and a half miles a day. I can't even keep up with them. They walk so fast. And she's, you know, her husband passed away about three years ago. And so she's learning how to fix things around the house. And she looks things up on YouTube and figures out, gets her tools out. And I think that life doesn't have to, you know, life definitely doesn't, isn't going to end for me at 60 for sure. Yeah. And so really my goal is to work until I'm 80 because I feel like work keeps you vibrant. It keeps you involved in the world and you know, your world is so much bigger. And for me, I flew around the globe in my marketing career. And so even just working from home and not traveling as much, my world feels so much smaller and I can't imagine it just being me and my house and my friends, you know? And so I love working and I love that, you know, all my clients bring the world to me through my work. And so that's what I really wanted to find something that I could do, you know, while I was older, but have flexibility. I just love that. I just hope that that's really inspirational for everyone who's listening that we can do this. And was there any part of you that was like, who am I to do this? Like, who am I to change careers, do something totally different and have a second career? Or that wasn't part of your thinking? Not when I was planning it, because, you know, I was very intentional about getting my financial affairs in order to be able to do this. So I had my retirement saved already. And, and I knew, you know, we had the house paid off. We were in, it gave me the ability to start something new and not have a huge amount of financial pressure to make it viable right away. So, which was a good thing because it took me a while to really figure out this entrepreneurial journey, you know, working for somebody else and working for yourself is really two very vastly different things. Yeah. And so there was a lot of self-image things that had to change for me to really embrace putting myself out there, you know, because I had marketed products for so long, marketing myself was a huge shift. Oh my gosh. It was hard. It was really hard at first. What kinds of things did you pay attention to, to change your self-image or to work on your self-image to be able to do that? I just paid attention to whatever came up and I worked through that. I've just, you know, been six years now and I'm still working through whatever comes up. all the time. (laughs) I'm not a person that lets things stop me. So when I see, you know, some sort of roadblock or flag come up of like, oh, you know, you're not all that, you know, you're not whatever. I stop and I say, wait a second, how can I, you know, overcome this, get around it, go walk through it, lean into it, whatever it needs. And I find the solution. Oh my gosh, I love that. It's funny because we're just coming out of this week-long experience where we were, it was called to make space for your greatness, but really the purpose of it was that. It's like, 
we forget the things that we actually need to spend time on, I find, to like move to the next thing. So it's like you created all this spaciousness around your own healing and whatnot. And I think sometimes we just make life is so full that we forget that like, that's all we need to do is like be able to pause and like work through any obstacles that come up and we can keep going. So, oh my gosh, I love that. We were talking about before we got on, we were talking about what all we would talk about today and what you're particularly passionate about. And I know that there's probably not one woman listening to this who cannot relate to over-promising, saying yes too many times to all the things. So can we go into that a little bit? And I mean, we can go anywhere with that, but I just feel like if we can help anyone listening really understand maybe that she doesn't have to say yes to everything, that that's even a possibility, that will be a huge win. So let's talk about what it looks like to start saying no and like how we even get to a place where we realize that we've said yes to too many things. Yeah. You know, the thing that I keep touching back to is how much free labor women provide and Mm. that we need to be careful about what free labor we do offer and that it's not an obligation for us to work for free for all of the things that we do. And so, you know, what does that mean at home? What does it mean at work? What does it mean for volunteering? Volunteering is like the easiest one to use as an example because I feel like there's this expectation that all women should be volunteering. And That's if so you're weird. not, now that you say that, I'm like, that totally is an expectation. Why mm-hmm. is that? Oh, with at least one thing, too. Right. It's not just one thing, you know, it's usually several. And so, I mean, I talk to CEOs who are, you know, have families and are on like, you know, three boards and things like that. And so, I think, you know, there's a lot of nonprofits that have grown and done great work on the backs of free labor. And that's great if you've got the time and, you know, and you've got the space to do that. But really questioning what is most important in your life and where do you really need to spend the time to get to where you want to go? And so often we are deluding ourselves, diluting ourselves, not deluding ourselves. Well, maybe a little of both, you know, you get spread too thin and then you're not doing a good job at anything. And you live feeling like you're not enough because you really aren't being enough. You aren't giving enough of yourself to the one thing that is really going to matter. So figuring out. You need to stop on that. That is so ingenious because I feel like the mess we talk about not being enough a lot around here. But the idea that like actually you're not being enough because you're not allowing yourself to be enough. That's Mm -hmm. a very good idea. I mean, that's like just for whatever reason going to blow my mind right now. So it's interesting that we have... I feel like that's one of those things that very often I blame was just sort of like put on women, you know, that we're not like this idea of not being enough. Like, I feel like that's something I always am like, oh, the patriarchy, Mm -hmm. it made women not enough, which there is a lot of truth to that. And I just love that piece that often when we're over giving, we're acting in a way that's not, that's Mm -hmm. just so cool. Thank Mm -hmm. you for that. All right, now keep going. But thank you. It's amazing how much we do it to ourselves. But even just the times when we raise our hand, because we know women can see the things that need to be done. And it's hard for us to sit back and watch things not be done and not be taken care of, because we usually are the ones that take care of everything. And so often I'll see women raise their hands to do something that's not actually part of their work. And that's contributing to, you know, getting spread too thin piece. And if we could just stop raising our hands for things that we don't actually need to be doing it, it can really take us a long way. (laughs) 
Yeah. Do you have any insights like on how to do that? Like, I feel like that's easier said than done for many of us. I mean, I feel like my hand, like I have one of those quick hands, you know? So it's like, oh, wait, why did I just raise my hand and say, I'll bake all those cookies for whatever for Friday? Like, so do you have any insights on how to get clear enough that you wouldn't do that when it's really not in alignment with really the life that you're trying to create, which I guess would make you always feel like you're enough? Well, first, just catching yourself doing it, you know, because you're going to do that at first. And so when, if you can kind of stop and play back, oh, why did I raise my hand there? What was I thinking? Why, you know, what was I trying to do? Because we're, you know, you're raising your hand, you're volunteering for something for a reason. And so if we can kind of unravel that a little bit, and then you can work with that then. So if that was maybe a people pleasing, because you wanted to seem like you were as, you know, a team player and that you could you know, you didn't want to leave everything to everyone else. That's often why we're raising our hand in that kind of situation of the cookies, because, you know, maybe there's another way that you could contribute instead of, you know, a lot of times we can do money instead of labor and usually have, you know, kind of one or the other. And so is there a contribution or, you know, like just an example, I have these neighbors who were really amazing when I had surgery last week, last fall. They brought me these soups and, you know, they were just so wonderful in supporting me. Well, they got COVID a couple of weeks ago. And I, so I like had to run over there with some soup for them and I didn't have time to make it. So I went to the store and bought it. I just, you know, like it was about showing up and it wasn't about the time that I put in. And, you know, I did make them, you know, something special that I was already making for myself and I gave them some of it. So there's ways that we can make compromises like that and still show up as the person we want to be, but yet maybe we're not, you know, putting in as much labor for it too. So yeah, it's interesting. As you say that I'm thinking about like my own judgments of like going to something and like looking at the thing that got bought. And I can see how in order to really solve for this for ourselves, we can just help everybody solve for it and even encourage others to not say yes and always be looking for ways to like not have people have to raise their hand in those situations and not have to bake things from scratch. It's interesting how there's like this whole circular thing that we can, you know, Mm -hmm. even if we're not raising our hand, I'm sure there's a way that we can support another woman (laughs) in not raising her hand. Yeah, Yeah. I really love that. And I think really speaking out when we're supporting other women in those ways too. You know, I had a woman that when I talked to potential clients, I like them to send me an email with some answers to some questions. And she emailed me over the weekend and said, I'm really trying to take this weekend off to spend with my family because it's Easter. And I've thought about the answers to these questions, but I don't want to take the time to write them out for you. Is that okay for you? And so in those, it would have been nice for me to have it ahead of time so I could prepare well, but I really supported her and I congratulated her on setting that boundary and being there for her family. And Ooh, and then when that. we talked and she was like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, don't be sorry. You did absolutely what you needed to do for yourself. And so, you know, we really need to stand up for each other in these moments because we all need that reinforcement and that encouragement. Yeah. All right. You threw out the word, like the reason that we throw up our hand is because we're might be because we're trying to people please. Is that something... Like you go, I feel like you know more about that, about people pleasing than just the fact that it's causing us to raise our hand. Like, is this something that's always like that's getting in the way a lot of us really being fully in our roles that we actually want to be in? I think it affects us in every part of our life because, you know, women are socialized to be pleasing, nice and helpful. And so 
that's something that it's a society's expectation of us. And so when we can find ways to be, you know, pleasing, nice and helpful and look out for ourselves, that's sort of the, you know, sweet middle there. But it's not always possible to please everybody and do what's right for us. And so you just have to get used to not being, you know, to disappointing yeah. people. And that's something I really encourage is, you know, and encourage women to disappoint more people because we don't have to do everything to everyone. And it's our life to live. And I love our, that. Disappoint more people. It's our family to raise. It's our career to have. And, you know, our pastimes and our hobbies to bring us joy and all of those things. And so, you know, if we're really going to live our own life, and really feel that when we can do what's right for us, then we, you know, we can give from that overflowing cup rather than, you know, that spread too thin. I'm trying to get it all done and just the days are too short. Yeah, absolutely. I heard you share something about, I love when you said like, and then you have to keep checking in on this. And I think that's another thing. I don't know, maybe we both happen to work with a lot of women, mostly women. So I don't know if this comes up for men too, but I know it's mostly women listening right now. But I feel like we come with such an energy sometimes if we just want to fix this. So even with the idea of like, I'm not going to raise my hand, like, you know, let's say somebody has something tonight and they're like, oh, yes, I didn't raise my hand. Right. So, yeah, that's true. That's a win. But that doesn't mean that next week you might not raise your hand again and forget. Like there's nothing to fix. It's like a consistent practice of realizing what's most in alignment, I think, with what it is that we're supposed to be doing at that moment. And so you said something really interesting about just like constantly checking in on this practice of even what you're saying yes and what you're saying no to. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that really, to me, speaks to, you know, how we might spend our time in order to do this better and how we might, you know, and how, again, it's not a fix. It's not about, it's not supposed to be a quick fix. It's not like you do it right and then you you know, it's right forever. Or if you didn't, you know, if you raised your hand by mistake tomorrow, that you are going to raise your hand forever going forward. In fact, yeah, you have to continually keep checking in because life and, you know, there's so much that comes our way every day that stuff is going to end up on your plate when you didn't even really realize, like, how did that thing get there? You know, know. it's amazing. (laughs) It's amazing. So I took the practice from the book Essentialism by Greg McEwen. He talks about doing personal strategy retreats and then doing quarterly. So an annual one and then a quarterly checkup. And so I took that idea and I created a whole process around that of how do you actually do a personal strategy retreat? And so I take my clients through that process, you know, in the year that they're working with me. And then I encourage them to schedule the quarterly retreats as well, because it only takes about 90 days to get off of your, your clarity. So you can get really yes. clear on your personal retreat while you're, you know, away and by yourself. But then, you know, pretty soon, you know, things will start creeping in and you really have to stop and take a look. And plus you changing your priorities change over 90 days as well. That's enough time that things really can shift for you and the world can shift. I mean, like, you know, I mean, these last years, three months has been a big time frame for us of, you know, things can be completely different. So yeah. it's important to always keep looking through, okay, what's most important to me? How am I doing on that? And is there some things that 
I need to put on my to don't list, you know, and what am I going to stop doing? And that was a big question for me. I just did my personal strategy retreat last month. And it was a big question for me of, you know, I spent a lot of time working on my to don't list because at this point it's I'm pretty clean. I'm not, I used to be volunteering. I used to have director level roles at two nonprofits and a full-time job that had 25% travel and I had a side hustle. So and, you know, my family and friends, and I had two elderly dogs at the time. And so there was just, there was a lot on my plate at that time. And so I found that, you know, unraveling all of that, it was sort of like peeling back the onion. I had to go layer by layer by layer to really get out of things. And, you know, some of these obligations, you can't just, you know, quit tomorrow, you have to work your way out of them. And it took me a couple of years to get out of that situation. But now I'm very focused, very clean with what I do raise my hand for. So finding things to take off the list is harder. And yet it's important to continually be really looking at what value does everything bring to you and where are your obligations? You know, I just even went through my care team. I have quite a lengthy care team and, you know, that includes people I mastermind with, accountability partners, you know, a therapist, you know, body work, you know, all that kind of thing. And, you know, I really took a look at, do I need all of this? And I, what could I cut back? You know, what could I not be obligated to do? What can I do for myself? And I found that there's so much that we actually can do. And a lot of times we search outside of ourselves for solutions. And so, you know, gosh, me and my journal can accomplish a lot that I used to, you know, maybe have to go and talk to somebody else about. So I love that. That's so cool. Okay. So you mentioned two things that we want to elaborate on. First is the to don't list. So that's something that you have and you actively look at. Like, how does that fit into your life? Is it on your wall? Like, I just write it out and then make a plan for the things that I'm going to unwind. So got it. You know, those become goals, you know. So on your to don't list, you might have things that it's like, okay, I'm on this board, which I have done before kids school board, but I'm going to make a plan to leave it. So like your to don't list might have things that become a little bit more of a project. It's not like you're just saying no to all of them every day. Okay. Got it. Right. I love that. Yeah. Like I have to look for a successor. We need to train that person up. We need to figure out what the timing would be. And then, you know, handing off that could be a year long process, right? Got it. Oh my gosh. So good. Or it might just Um, be, I'm not going to go to this, you know, care provider anymore and I'm just going to stop. Right. And then it's just done. Right. And then it's just crossed off. It's, I guess it's just like, yeah, Yeah. you get to see it on the to-don't list. You get to cross it off too. You get to cross it (laughs) off too. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh. I love that. A to-don't list and a to-do list. So good. Okay. So then you said something about being really clean about that list. So I would love you to elaborate. So from where you are now and where you see clients going, like, I think we can all relate to what it feels like when we say yes, or we raise our hand to something that we don't really want to do. But will you explain the opposite? Like, how is it different when you say yes to something that's so clear because, you know, because you're not as busy with all the things that you really don't want to be doing? This is a practice, you know, so if you like do some goal setting and you figure out, okay, I've got these 10 goals that these are the things I want to accomplish for the year. A lot of people will just kind of go about starting them all and, you know, getting things in motion and, you know, dabbling with this and that, and then they go back and forth. And that's actually kind of the worst way to do it. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) So instead, if we pick number one and maybe number two, because sometimes you can't be working on it, sometimes you are waiting on something 
and you focus just really, you know, get completely focused on that one thing, then all your effort goes to that. It's going to happen much faster. The great thing about that is you're then going to have the sense of accomplishment much more quickly. You'll be able to, you know, be proud of yourself, you know, feel the confidence of doing that thing. And then you can move on to the next one. And so doing things sequentially rather than trying to do them all can make a big difference. And one of the things that I've really done is cut down the number of things that I will even put on my goal list. So I used to have a hard time trimming it down to 10, which is usually, you know, my limit for the year. But instead this year I set four goals because I looked at last year and I really only did two things. And I thought to myself, you know, they were kind of big things and I should have split them up smaller because I really believe in doing 30 day sprints rather than having something that's going to take a whole year. Yeah. But I also think that we just in general bite off way too much. Yes. And we think we can accomplish way more than we really can. And I think this is an epidemic in our yes. <laughs> personally and professionally. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it all feeds together with, and then we raise our hand. It's like almost like the more we have, the more we raise our hand or something. And so mm-hmm. it's like, you have mm-hmm. to be in that practice of really slimming it all down. I love that. Yeah. So good. All right. Well, I want everyone to know where to find you, but I have one more question, which is this. Both of us were connecting groups of women, and we've both seen the power of what happens when women come together in community. Is that's true about yes. your work too, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's my favorite part about Yeah, it's my favorite part. So like let's just a lot let's just riff on that on women coming together because I think that at the phase that both of us are working with women, it's like also the time when we convince ourselves that we're too busy, like we don't have time mm-hmm. for anything extra. So like, why would we have time to come together with a group of women? Yet, we both notice the magic. So tell me what you're thinking of because I feel like you work with the busiest of the busiest of people. I do work with very busy women. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my clients are the ones who have 17 meetings in a day. And yeah. you know, it's just back to back you know, all day, every day for them. And then they have to do their job on top of that. And they usually have families and maybe pastimes as well. But they find so much value in being together that it is something that they make time for because it's really valuable. I started out executive coaching, you know, just doing one-on-one coaching. And as I started meeting all these women, I kept thinking, you guys need to talk to each other. Like you need each other. You need this program, but yet you need each other too. And because people were feeling alone, they were feeling like they were the only ones that were had these problems and that made them feel like there was something wrong with them. And yep. when they can get together and hear from somebody across the country in a different field that's experiencing the same thing they are, it's really validating. And together they can then, you know, lift each other up and find solutions and bring best practices to each other. And it's amazing what you learn just in listening to conversations. And sometimes somebody says something that then sparks a thought for you. So it's not even necessarily, you know, that they're going through the exact same thing you are, but there's women just do so good in community and we do so good learning from each other. That's how we've always done things, you know? I think that's really important for us to just remember. I mean, I feel like it's the way we've always done things. And then at some point, it became like this badge of honor to go at it alone or something. I don't even know where that came from initially, but 
yeah, it's like one of the most important things. So I just wanted to point that out because I think it's really important. And you mentioned your care team. So that's really what got me thinking about that. It's like it's such important and good work to just make sure that we're each surrounded by that group of people who's going to hold it, like who's got our backs when we don't raise our hand. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting yeah. here sitting on my hand right now. But so when we're like sitting on our hands, that there's somebody in our life who can celebrate that with us. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. It really is. So tell us how we can find you. Where are you? Like, what's the best way to get in touch with Jill if you're ready for that next level? Sistersmart.com is the best place. And right at the top of the homepage is a, a private podcast that people can listen to and hear more about what we do. And it'll take you through the program that we have. And it's a great way to get to know us. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. I just feel like you're a very calming person to talk to. So thank you. This made a dent in my day. <laughs> I'm so glad. I hear yes. that a lot, yet it doesn't always feel that way inside. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. No, so, so calming. And it's been one of those days where it's like running around from one thing to another. And this was a really good anchor into what has to happen next in my day. So thank you. And I hope that anyone who's in the world looking sort of how to make it to the next ring in your career looks up Jill because I know her work is just amazing. So thanks. Thank you. Thanks for having me. At the end of every episode, we always share three doable changes. So you can take what you've heard and put it into action because action is where change comes from. But here's the thing. Often when we're wanting change, it feels really big because that's just how we work as humans. And so we associate the big change with big action. But I have seen over and over and over again that big change does not need big action. In fact, it really always is the little things that add up. So that's why in every conversation we have, we choose three doable changes so that you can choose one and really fit it into your life, make it work for you, experiment with it, and see if it sticks. And if it does, then you move on to the next one. And if it doesn't, you know you've tried and you still move on to the next one. And after a year, a few months, you have had stacked up these doable changes that together really do create that big change. And just to note that often when we wait for the big action, we get stuck. So pick your little thing, pick your one doable change for this week. Come tell us what it is. I would love to hear. But here are the three that we chose for my conversation with Joe. Number one, make a don't list. What are you doing now that is not serving you? What could you stop doing right away? What things might take a little bit more time to step out of, but you need to eventually? <laughs> How can you start to take those things off your plate, right? So start to make a list of what it would take to back out of those things that might take more time to step out of. Become conscious of your don't list. I love this one. All right, number two, stop raising your hand. <laughs> if you find that you volunteered for something, ask yourself why you did it. Is it something you feel strongly about? Were you trying to be seen as a team player or people-pleasing? Try to pause before volunteering for anything new. Ask yourself if it serves you to do it at all or if there is a way to contribute without the free labor. Are you a hand raiser? I know I am a hand raiser, though 
I will say on the other side of making this a doable change and really protecting myself from this for a few years, now all of a sudden I can raise my hand again and feel really good about it. So just know it doesn't mean that you can never raise your hand again. We just get better and better when we practice this at not raising our hands to things that we really don't want to be doing at any level. All right. Number three, focus your energy. Look at your goals. Which two are most important to you right now? What happens when you set your other goals to prioritize and focus on the top two? Right? What, when you, what happens when you set the other ones aside and you just focus on the two? You could even just focus on the one and see what happens when you allow yourself to focus. It's amazing. I know we're really good at multitasking. I know you are. I know I am. And it's not always the winning strategy. All right. I hope those three serve you. I hope you choose one. I can't wait to hear what it is. And I cannot wait to see you on the next episode of the Plan Simple Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. If you know a woman who wants a little more simple and a lot more flow, Share this episode and send them over to the Plan Simple website to download our free course. And if you can find a five-minute window today between meetings in the carpool line while you're eating your lunch, head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. This one action plays such a big part in helping other women find us. And I have so much gratitude for you in advance. So thank you so much. Until next week, dream big, plan from your heart, and have a great day.